guys, welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. You can create the life that you've always imagined. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. So today I have a real treat for you guys. I'm bringing on another guest. And in my mind, I want to bring people who inspire me. I want to bring on people who are real artists of life. You know, people who are out there creating the life that they want to live, the lifestyle that they want to live. So today I'm really happy to bring on my friend Clarissa Way. Clarissa is a freelance journalist backpacking to all the provinces in China. She writes for Vice and Eater, and that's just the start of it. She has so many credentials under her belt, but she's just an awesome person in general, someone who's just daring to be able to travel the world on her own and find those interesting stories. So what's up, Clarissa? Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, things are good. I'm in Lanzhou right now, which is in the Gansu province of China. Okay, I, I actually don't know where that is. Is it like north, south, <laughs> east, west? <laughs> where it's is north. that? It's northwest. Um, I was here when I was 19 in college, and I went to a town called Dunhuang where I rode camels and hung out in the desert. But now I'm in the capital of the province, um, and it, it's a city that's built alongside the Yellow River. That's so awesome. I mean, how big is that city? Like, what does it physically look like? Is it modern, or is it just more like a town? It's very modern, and that's something um, I didn't really realize about China until I got here, and that every single province, there are huge cities. So here it kind of reminds me of Los Angeles in that there's traffic all day, every day. Um, And it's a city that's kind of built around the Yellow River, and that's like a historical thing, obviously, because of the water source. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm okay. I have so many questions to ask you, but I think we have to kind of give an introduction of who you are. So, you started out as a food writer, right? So, let's talk about the beginnings of your career. Like, why did you start decide to be a writer? Yeah, so I knew I always wanted to be in media, and I just didn't know which medium I wanted to work with. Um, Originally, I thought it was video. Um, but then I just started to do writing because I really like working with words and having time to process things. And I think naturally I'm more of an introvert. Um, and then I kind of got into food writing actually when I was at NYU and I was studying abroad in Shanghai. And food, I realized, was a way to kind of show people um, the Chinese culture without being overbearing or mm-hmm. um, too inaccessible to the layman and food is something that everyone I know this is oversaid and overstated but food is something everyone can get behind so that's kind of how I got into food writing okay so was it the Chinese culture side of it that interested you more and then food was like the easy way to share that is that what you're saying I think I got into the whole Chinese culture part out of frustration, Um, just working. I had 12 internships in college and working in all of these media organizations. It was seeing how badly represented Chinese culture and Chinese people were in mainstream media. So I definitely kind of came into this by accident, just kind of as a reflex um, out of frustration to what was being pushed out in mainstream media. It wasn't on purpose. It was mostly just because yeah. I was angry, yeah, angry. <laughs> with what was out there. Yeah. 
I mean, what exactly frustrated you? Was it like while working at those internships, you started to realize like how little representation there were? Like, what was it exactly that frustrated yeah, you the most? I mean, the same thing is happening today. If you Google China, the news that's out there, it's just, it's focused on the economy and politics. Um, and if it's on food, it's very, very basic. It's like knowledge that people knew 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, people are just obsessed how China's taking over, you know, China's kind of painted as this hostile um, organism from across the world. It's this foreign alien thing that's going to take over our economy and take over our jobs. <laughs> um, granted, a lot of this rhetoric was when I was interning at Fox News. <laughs> so it was kind of heightened <laughs> to an extent. But again, even in all the publications, it's the same. And it's because people don't, a lot of these journalists aren't, like they're not of Chinese descent. They don't speak Chinese. They don't, they've never been to this country. Right. They just don't get the stories. No, not at all. And if they do get the stories, it's done in a tacky way and they don't interview the people here. Yeah. So I, I, no, I think it's awesome what you're doing. And honestly, since you've started writing about like Chinese food in general, you've like put so much more information out there. Like if you guys listening, do a quick Google search of Clarissa Way. Like there are so many articles. She goes in depth on so many like different aspects of Chinese food and the culture and history behind food, which I love. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of China and that it is so big and there's so much culture and history and I'm learning new things every single day here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about your journey. Why did you decide to go to China in the first place? What was your purpose and what was your goal? Yeah, so I had been writing about Chinese food in Los Angeles um, for about three to four years already. Um, And it was to the point where I feel like I exhausted everything that I could do. Um, I've basically been to most of the notable Chinese, as you know, um, notable Chinese restaurants in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And I even did at one point a regional guide um, for KCET where I, you know, broke down every single province and the restaurants that were represented in each province in Los Angeles in this map. So after that, it was like, what is next? I'm, I've exhausted <laughs> Chinese food in Los Angeles. I know the community. Um, how do I take it up a notch further? And I just remember one day lying in my bed, um, kind of at a crossroads, um, not exactly happy um, with the full-time job I had with the t- at the time, and deciding, you know, like if I really want to understand this topic I've been writing about for the next last three to four years, I really just need to go to where I've been talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just kind of spurred it. And it took me a while to actually, you know, press the go button. Um, I talked about it a lot to friends. And after a while, after talking about it so much, it just kind of became a reality and I found myself on an airplane. That's so awesome. I remember when you were talking about it early on and I thought it was such a great idea. And I mean, logistically, like how did it, did you produce everything? Did you organize everything? Did you have help putting this together? Yeah. So I did like, I did a crowdfunding thing and you know, it's hard in the beginning because you know, you want to like tell people exactly what you're spending things on. And I knew this, that I wouldn't be able to predict everything and know what I would be spending things on. So I did a very basic crowdfunding round and I got, I think around $4,000, which was, you know, enough to like get me here. Um, but then after that, it's just been, um, relying on freelance gigs and savings really. Um, so you're, you're still writing freelance 
articles while you're out there? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I write about two to three articles every week. How's that been like balancing work with like travel and doing your work in China? It's really hard because it's a balance between being present and kind of um, being aware of where you are and really being inside the community versus when you're writing um, and doing work all the time. Sometimes I find myself like in a hotel room for like three days and not really interacting with anyone. So it's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Am I wasting my time? Oh, it seems like you're going from like modern cities to like really rural areas and villages. Like, tell me what's your like, how, like, you know, do you have a plan for where you're traveling and how does it work? Um, I don't, well, I do it by region. So over the winter I was in, um, the East. So, I, um, and it was really weird. I thought I would go to Shanghai and be in the cities because if you think of cities, you think of a place that's really, really connected. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the longer I was there, I realized that cities, you, it's really hard to find a story because I mean, the same stories happen in all over the world. It's development and people are in pursuit of modern luxuries and the stories mm -hmm. that I'm looking for. I'm personally interested in tradition and culture that mm -hmm. exists in the city, but it's really hard to find. Um, and so after going to a lot of cities, um, I've just realized that the best stories are in the countryside. Um, so now I just kind of go into the countryside and try to hang out with people for as long as possible and find stories that way. Because really every single city, it's just, it's a lot harder to find stories. And how does it work? Do you have somebody who knows that countryside bring you in and then introduce you to people or do you just like go and meet oh, people? Oh, not at all. I, I just go. And wow. sometimes I find stories, sometimes I don't. Like yesterday or yeah, yesterday I was in Ningxia, which is a province also in the north. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't know what was there except for like um, a desert, like sand dunes, right? <laughs> So it was there, I camped at the sand dunes, and then I went to the hostel. And then in the back of the hostel, um, in the lobby, I saw a bunch of goji berries. Mm. And I was like, oh, goji berries, like, where are these produced? And they're like, oh, it's a town called Zoning. And I, like, I always ask, like, how far is Zoning from here? They're like, it's an hour away. And then so, sure enough, like, my friend and I would just take a bus and go there. Mm -hmm. And we just, like, asked to be taken to the warehouse factory. And from there, I learned that's the biggest goji factory in all of China, possibly the wow. world. And there's a story in itself. That so it's just, ask, like, talking to people. So, yeah. So what interests you is, like, food and then you try to get to the source of the food? Is that how it works? <laughs> like, where is this yeah, made? So, <laughs> I'm not – I mean – I'm a food journalist by trade, but I'm not so much interested in, like, how tasty things are or whatnot, but I'm more interested in, like, origins. and right, the source. Um, especially I've realized that, like, in Chinese tradition, a lot of nifty things are used in food that people in the West don't even think about. For example, when we think about noodles, we just think flour or water. Um, maybe some egg, right? And that's mm -hmm. pasta at its core. But um, people here in the north, for example, when they make uh, lamian, lanzo lamian, which is like their um, specialty noodle here, it's a pulled noodle, they'll mm -hmm. add um, a powder that's actually made from a desert plant um, called pen hui tao. Right. Excuse my pronunciation, it could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, but the this powder makes it long and stretchy. Um, in Ningxia, they have a desert plant that they put, they take the seed and they grind it. 
um, and then they put it. It's called halzi mian, and then they put the halzi into the noodles, and then it makes it more chewy.、Um, mm. And then over here today, I just ate a noodle that's made completely from a desert plant. So it's like they take these natural plants that are occurring、um, within the landscape and integrate it into their food.、Um, wow. And a lot of things that are considered invasive species in the West are actually delicacies here in the East. So like what? It's this.、Um, so fish mint, for example.、Um, Is considered an invasive species all over the West. It grows in really swampy areas,、mm-hmm. and because it kind of grows via ry-、um, rhizomes, it just like grows everywhere, and it's hard、mm-hmm. to get rid of. And if you look up gardening forms in、um, America, people are like, "How do I get rid of this?" <laughs> so it's、um, a weed. But people don't like it. It's a weed. But in <laughs> China, it's like it tastes like cilantro, and it's like、right. really good for you, and people love it. It like helps with congestion, and、right. people will go foraging for it during the weekends. Do you think it's because people in the West don't realize the benefits of all these plants, and Chinese people have like recognized that? What's the difference? Well, I think it's because、um, China has just been such a continuously long civilization, so、mm-hmm. a lot of this knowledge is just continuously passed down, right? right? Whereas in the West, it's just there are so many divisions and war. I mean, I'm talking about Europe too. Divisions,、yeah. war. Of course, America is just a nation of immigrants. So with each generation, when you uproot yourself from your native land, like you don't know what's in that、mm-hmm. land. But、you、in China, a lot, a lot of, of these people, yeah, yeah. A lot of nos, lo,、mm. lost knowledge, and、mm. China has this. And what's kind of terrifying to me is that this knowledge is also slowly being lost here. Yeah, because they're developing, and the young kids might not care about learning these little details, right? Yeah. So、mm. that's really interesting to me too. That I find these things that native people don't necessarily know about either. So、mm-hmm. it's a lot of again. You have to go to the countryside and like talk to old people to find out these things. Yeah, that's so interesting. So is it? I mean, does it break your heart to like see what's happening? Like, what? What do you feel about it? It is. It's sad,、um, but at the same time,、um, it's empowering to have this knowledge because, as I think, as people are looking for new ways to do food, or even. Um, live differently and kind of think outside of the box because you know sustainability is such a huge like topic right now,、mm-hmm. right? Like how can we live live sustainably?、Um, but I've learned that a lot of these secrets, a lot of these solutions, are actually embedded in ancient cultures or Aboriginal or ethnic minority cultures.、Um, just civilizations that have just been around for a very long time and still very primitive. Um, you can t- learn from them and apply it into modern life,、mm-hmm. um, and kind of make things a little bit less waste heavy. Yeah. So, for example,、um, when I was,、um, I'm trying to think of so many examples. <laughs> yeah,、um, you know, like the big ones, the ones that like shocked, like surprised you, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, very very basic、um, bamboo. You can make boats with it. You can make cooking and utensils with it. I hung out with the Ocean Tribe in Taiwan, so Amezu.、Mm-hmm. They're located on the east coast of Taiwan in Taichung,、um, and then like little kids, they were teaching them how to like make cups with them, you know. And we're always like, oh, we shouldn't use styrofoam, but like plastic's not good for you too, you know. There's this like、mm-hmm. circular debate going on about like、right. which utensils we should use. You、yeah. can just like make it out of bamboo, and bamboo is like one of the most sustainable materials there is. Yeah.、Um, 
I don't know also why we don't use with, it more often. <laughs> it's just, it's not in our, you know, manual for how to build because, mm-hmm. you know, during the industrial revolution or just during development, everyone just wants efficiency and quickness. But now there's, we have time to just kind of look back to our past and take these efficient things yeah. um, and kind of apply it. And, and it. also another big thing is like, you know, solving hunger, right? People are like, mm-hmm. that's not, there's not enough food. We can't feed people. What there's about all these food. weeds? <laughs> yeah. Food, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What about all of these things that we think are weeds, um, that we label weeds in the West, mm-hmm. but are actually very, very edible. Yeah. Uh, we just don't know how to use them at all. Right. So interesting. Okay. I want to ask you though, what has been the biggest challenge so far in this trip? For me, it's about finding um, community and just a sense of permanence because I'm always everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I have friends with me at all times, which has been really, really cool. Like I've rarely been alone. Um, But again, like people are with me for a couple months or they're with me for a couple weeks. So like it's hard to find community. I've been in Asia for six months now going on seven Wow. And yeah, it's it's hard to find community because when I was in Los Angeles, it was like it was the same people I would see over and again. And it was that stability. But when you're traveling, you don't have that stability at all. And sometimes you just feel like, am I the only one doing this? Do I, I like feel completely crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it does get lonely. But I mean, that's part of the experience of traveling. You know, you're like moving from place to place. And I I'm just curious, like, when you go home, do you think you'll feel weird there? Like, do you think your life will be different? Yeah, I think after traveling so much, I don't ever see myself actually settling down in the United States. (laughs) I know that sounds totally weird. Yeah. Um, I really like... And I'm so, so sorry, guys, but that is the point where Clarissa's interview got cut off. And it sucks because I loved what she talked about for the last 10 minutes of our interview. So what happened was like the program that I used to record interviews, after you finish the interview, it takes some time to upload those audio files to Dropbox. And I think we probably had internet issues where Clarissa's audio didn't finish uploading And it's such a shame. I was honestly debating whether I should redo this interview with her completely, but I don't like the idea of redoing it. I really like this interview and I like to keep things fresh and natural. So I'm just going to give you guys what we have, what it is. This is real, but I'll just talk about what she was going to say. So Clarissa was talking about how she can't imagine settling down in the U.S. in the future, which I thought was a pretty wild idea, but it makes a lot of sense for her. So you know how she's so passionate about sustainable communities. She's passionate about living off the land, all of that stuff. And so she was talking about how her ideal future where she want to settle down might be something like an eco-village, probably in Latin America. And I just think that was so amazing. It's such a beautiful thing because I've watched her grow and blossom into this person that she is today. And she's experienced so much out there in the world that now she has a better grasp of what she wants. So she came from LA. She grew up in LA, went to school in New York City, and thought she was going to live that corporate city broadcast journalism life. 
But her life took a different turn, and now she loves traveling to rural areas and you know hanging out in villages. And it's really cool to see her be able to choose her lifestyle that she wants. And that's what being an artist of life is all about. It's about being empowered to choose the kind of life that you want. You can design every aspect of it. So that was really really awesome. I'm so sad you guys couldn't couldn't hear that. From her for yourself. So now I'm gonna read an excerpt from Clarissa's website. It's on her About Me page. She says, I'm mostly interested in sustainability and stories of marginalized communities that live off the land. I prefer farms to cities, home cooked meals to restaurant spreads. I believe in minimalism, eating locally, and being conscious of consumption, living my dream life. Eventually, I hope to end up in a farm or jungle or small village with plenty of stars and wonderful people, preferably by the beach. Until then, I travel. I love that so, so much. She's really found herself and come into her own. She's found her place in the world. She's found where she wants to be. So you guys have to check out Clarissa Way at clarissaway.com. That's spelled C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A-W-E-I dot com. Check out her Facebook page as well. It's Clarissa P. Way. And check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Clarissa. Honestly, guys, you have to at least go to her Facebook page and read her like latest post. She's always posting stories, photos, and videos of where she is, and it's always so fascinating. And if you really scroll down, you'll see her posts about everything that she talked about today, from those desert plants that they use in the noodles to videos of her at the goji berry farm. I hope this episode opened you guys up to the possibilities of what is out there in the world, what is possible for you and your life. Honestly, Clarissa was talking about how when she was a student at NYU, interning for all these major broadcasting companies, she never would have imagined that she would want to live a life that's a total opposite of that. But I don't know, just life happens, the journey takes you there, and you end up somewhere you never would have expected, which I think is such a beautiful thing. So you guys have to let life happen. Just follow your heart to what feels right, and you'll end up where you belong. This episode was brought to you by audible.com. You guys can all sign up for a free Audible trial at audibletrial.com slash lavendaire. Again, audibletrial.com slash lavendaire. And with that free trial, you can choose a free audiobook to listen to. The one I'm currently listening to is called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And I've really been loving it. If you have any feedback on this podcast, you can leave a comment on my blog, lavendaire.com. Don't forget to follow me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Everything is Lavendaire. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I love you so much. My name's Eileen, and this was The Lavendaire Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. Bye!